Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Welcome to the Holistic Survival Show with Jason Hartman. The economic storm brewing around the world is set to spill into all aspects of our lives. Are you prepared? Where are you going to turn for the critical life skills necessary to survive and prosper? The Holistic Survival Show is your family's insurance for a better life. Jason will teach you to think independently, to understand threats, and how to create the ultimate action plan. Sudden change or worst case scenario, you'll be ready. Welcome to Holistic Survival, your key resource for protecting the people, places, and profits you care about in uncertain times. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Jason Hartman. Welcome to the Holistic Survival Show. This is your host, Jason Hartman, where we talk about protecting the people, places, and profits you care about in these uncertain times. We have a great interview for you today, and we will be back with that in less than 60 seconds on the Holistic Survival Show. And by the way, be sure to visit our website at holisticsurvival.com. You can subscribe to our blog, which is totally free, has loads of great information, and there's just a lot of good content for you on the site. So make sure you take advantage of that at holisticsurvival.com. We'll be right back. Hey, it's my pleasure to welcome James Wesley Rawls back to the show. His new book is entitled Expatriates, and he's been in the news recently talking about the EBT problem, just what we need, uh, a bunch of people who are dependent on government not getting their hand out and and causing uh, riots and problems and civil unrest. So uh, we're going to talk about several things, and you know, we're going to talk about something we don't cover too much on the show, which is a little bit on emergency medicine, too. So let's just dive into it. James, welcome. Welcome. How are you? Just fine. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Yeah, it's, it's good to have you back. What do you want to talk about? Tell us a little bit about your new book, maybe, first. Oh, sure. Um, it's another novel in my Patriots series. It's a novel about a socioeconomic collapse in the near future. It's set contemporaneously with my previous novels, so there's no need to have read them first. This one focuses on American expatriates living in the Philippines and in Australia. There's also a, another storyline that takes place in central Florida not too far from Disney World. And I wanted to, uh, in this book, cover the whole expatriate mindset and illustrate how tenuous things might be for people living overseas if there is an economic collapse. If nothing else, just the uncertainty of being out of contact with their relatives in the United States. Okay, well, tell us about that. And if you have any best, most, and least favorite countries, too, is is always interesting. (laughs) Well, I think uh, I generally don't recommend expatriation, uh, except for someone who has deep contacts in a host country. The reason being is that if there are economic problems or a natural disaster, you don't want to be seen as the expendable new guy girl. Unless you've married into a family or have very deep roots in a country, your prospects for survival may not be very good. So my recommendation is don't expatriate unless you have those roots. Yeah, that's that's sensible. Yeah. Uh, for people who do have deep roots overseas, some of the countries that I like uh, would be the Philippines, for one, and uh, Panama in particular. Of all the Central American countries, I like Panama the best because of its low crime rate and the very large number of people that 
speak English, and of course, the, there's considerable trade in American dollars. And how about the Philippines? Well, the, the Philippines, of all of the Pacific Island nations, I like it the best because it has the best chance for self-sufficiency. People there outside of Manila primarily live a simple agrarian life, either farming or fishing. People raise a lot of pigs and poi. And if things fall apart, I think they ha will have the opportunity best to revert to a 19th century level of technology. Interesting, interesting. How about within the uh, U.S.? Any particular uh, goods and bads in the U.S.? I know, stay away from Southern California, that's for sure. That's going to be a disaster in a disaster, pardon the pun. The region that I like in the United States is the area that I call the American Redoubt, which consists of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and the eastern half of Oregon and the eastern half of Washington State. And I like that intermountain region because of its light population density, because of its distance to major population centers. It's quite remote, and it's got a lot going for it in terms of uh, plentiful firewood. There's uh, potential for microhydropower, and all the grid power that's there is produced by hydroelectric power. And if there's any place in the United States where grid power will be reestablished quickly, it's got to be the Northwest, because we export a huge amount of electricity from this region, and a lot of the utilities are actually set up to immediately island themselves from the rest of the power grid if the national grids go down. Islanding is a, a technology that's not very well known outside of the power industry, and most people don't even stop to think about where their local electricity comes from. And if you're lucky enough to live in a place like the Pacific Northwest or perhaps the Four Corners region uh, where New Mexico and Arizona and Colorado come together, those are power exporting areas and those are areas where the, the power utilities and the power co-ops are, are already set up for islanding. And that can be done as, in less than a minute. They can have power reestablished. Now, that will help us in a case where uh, the power goes down for any other reason that's not EMT related, whether it be solar flare right. or, or nuclear. But if we fry the electronics, we fry the electronics. If we fry right. the transformers, be, they're that gone. Nation, that would be nationwide. But there's just as much potential for the power grid to go down due to lack of supply or inattention as there is solar flares. Uh, if we have an economic collapse and rioting in major cities, public utility employees are not going to feel safe to leave their homes to go to work. And in the case of the nuclear power industry, they are required by law to shut down, to scram the piles on those nuclear power plants if they don't have a certain level of staffing for their power plant. Wow. It, it, Jim, there's been two school of schools of thought about this. You know, the major school in the survival camp is be in a bug out area, a rural location, be more than one tank of gas from a major population center that could be problematic, and be someplace with natural resources and so forth. That's That goes without saying. It, it makes a lot of sense. However, I have certainly heard and read about stories 
of people who, you know, in various places around the world at various times, who were living in the countryside, minding their own business. You know, there's a big disaster elsewhere. The urban areas are affected, of course, negatively. And these marauding gangs eventually get get to these places that are are deserted because they're looking for resources and relief and so forth. And they just wreak havoc because there's nobody around to help these people who are basically stranded in the middle of nowhere, which they thought would be isolated. And, you know, these gangs will torture them, uh, kill them, take advantage of them, whatever, you know, whatever. Sometimes it, maybe it's it's better to have people around. It's better to have a sense of community. I don't know. Jason, I've never advocated having a completely isolated retreat because just one family is not able to handle everything on their own. Even with a large family, you wouldn't have the manpower you need for 24-7 security. Or if you had just barely enough manpower for 24-7 security, you could quietly starve because then you wouldn't have the extra manpower to do large-scale gardening and to take care of livestock. So the best situation, I think, is to be in, a, in at least a, a hamlet situation where you have a cluster of homes and you can provide mutual security and you would have, hopefully, the advantage of a balanced skill set where you'd have you know, a butcher, a baker, candle make candlestick maker and a doctor, hopefully. Talk to us about the EBT problem. You've recently been in the news media talking about this. Give us your uh, your take on it. Well, I think the EBT failure was symptomatic of a much larger problem, and that is an overall dependence upon technology. Ten years ago, that would not have been an issue because everyone was issued food stamps, and the supply channel for those could conceivably carry on uh, until, the, I guess, until they ran out of printing resources. But wherever technology has been applied, we get into situations where we become dependent on that technology. The same thing has happened with just-in-time inventory control systems for major retailers. Now, what you see on the shelves at the at the supermarket is all they have. There is no longer a back room with extra magical supplies that they can restock with. They're used to restocking every night using an automated inventory control system. It's something that was developed in Japan. They call it Kanban, and they've adopted it here in the States. Over and over again, we see examples of where technology is going to come back and bite us because it doesn't take major disruptions to have everything fall apart. And if you look at what happened with Hurricane Katrina and with Superstorm Sandy, in some cases, supplies completely ran out, and in others, they were razor thin. And a whole tier of communities around Sandy were cleaned out by people uh, emerging from the affected area of the storm and cleaning out all the gasoline, cleaning out all the supermarket shelves, and so on. If we have a nationwide problem, all bets are off. It all depends on whether or not the power grids stay up. There's actually three grids in the United States. There's an eastern grid, a western grid, and a Texas and grid. Texas, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so it, it, no advantage to being in Texas where they have their own grid? Well, there's some advantages. They actually do produce uh, nearly all of their own power there, but they actually do buy some power from the other grids. For example, they have power come in through an inter- what they call the western interconnect all the way from Bonneville Dam in Washington state. So they don't quite produce enough power to provide all of their own needs in Texas. 
I guess the uh, the exception might be Hawaii. They have their own little grid on the big island, and each island has their own power utility. But there, they're dependent upon liquefied natural gas and ships arriving once every couple of months, uh, great big pressure, pressure vessels of LNG. And once that stops arriving, they're going to be out of luck. Yeah, I'm not too keen about ideology in Hawaii, though, either. You know, I, I think that's another thing you have to look at is just the the ideology of the people in a given area. Are they slackers who are feeding off the government with a liberal liberal mentality? Or are they, uh, you know, are they resourceful, uh, rugged individual types? <laughs> it's, it's, well, there's it's, kind of a mixed you know, bag, yeah. and unfortunately, on, on every island except the big island, there really is too much population density, especially... Oahu would be an absolute lost cause. That's going to be practically a, uh, a cannibalism scenario there if they get cut off from outside supply because there's a tremendous population density and uh, the, the tropical fruit will last about two days. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not good, not good. Are there any other thoughts? You know, say, for example, someone can't move to like that Intermountain West area that you mentioned or they don't want to do something that far. Are there any other areas that are sort of like your oh, second-tier yeah, sure. uh, favorites? One other area that, yeah. I, that I really recommend is the Cumberland Plateau in Tennessee. It actually straddles the Tennessee-Kentucky line. That region, uh, in fact, I set part of one of my novels in that region uh, in a little town called Muddy Pond, uh, which is a uh, predominantly uh, Mennonite community. There are some areas like that where you have advantageous terrain. The Cumberland Plateau sits uh, fully 1,500 feet higher than all of the surrounding area. Uh, if, if you ever wanted to isolate yourself, the folks living there would certainly have the opportunity. All they have to do is, is blockade three or four major roads, and they could pretty well isolate themselves. There's a few other areas, you know, there's parts of, of Maine that I think would be quite good. There's, you know, areas in the Ozarks, for example, that might be decent. But generally, I don't recommend anywhere east of the Missouri River unless people absolutely have to stay there, just because the population density is so much higher. If you look at a, a nighttime satellite photo of the United States, it's dramatically apparent the population density difference between the eastern United States and the western states. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, looking at those uh, satellite photos at night, we all know North Korea isn't very lit up. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like darkest Africa. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. What a, what a mess. Talk to us a little bit about some general preparedness. Anything that maybe other people aren't saying, non-mainstream ideas and you know, I want to touch on, too, the, the medical stuff. We haven't done much on that before sure. on the show. Well, um, I think it's important that people train to the very best of their ability. I strongly encourage people to get involved with volunteer fire departments and local paramedic organizations. And there you can get training for free or almost free and the opportunity to work with some really great people and pick up some great skills. I also recommend uh, something kind of unusual, and that is I do recommend that people buy all the equipment they would need for minor surgery, even if they are not yet qualified to do that, because we may end up with a situation if there is a disaster where uh, doctors may end up fleeing their homes. They may end up as refugees, but without the tools they'll need where they arrived. So if you have the chance to pick up some inexpensive Pakistani-made stainless steel instruments, 
by all means, buy a set. Is there a certain kit that you recommend on your website, on Amazon.com? No, not in particular, but if you look around on the internet, just look for surgery kits and also dental kits. I think it's important that for the same reason, you know, you'd be set up with a full set of dental instruments, extractors in particular, because everyone will default to extraction. Uh, It's kind of 19th century style, but you have a rotten tooth. You don't want to try to pull it out with pliers. Your odds are you're going to break and shatter the, the tooth and cause all sorts of problems, including abscesses. So dental extractors and lifters are particularly important. And again, I do recommend the Pakistani-made instruments a lot. They're so inexpensive that a lot of hospitals actually buy those in sterile form, pre-wrapped, And then they use them as disposable instruments. Wow. Well, I'll give you an example. As you were talking, Jim, I just looked up on Amazon. You've got a a U.S. military-style field medic kit for $9.99. And -hmm. it's got uh, four and a half stars. It's like your books. 56 reviews. So a lot of reviews and and good star rating. So that's that's pretty good. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, that's just one example. And I do recommend that, that people stock up on, of course, all the medicines they'll need, for, especially for any chronic health conditions, uh, large quantity of vitamins and food supplements that they might need. I'm also a big believer in sprouting. Uh, sprouts are tremendous. Uh, not only are they very compact, but they have a long shelf life, and the nutritive value that they generate is fantastic. I'm not sure if you've had anybody on your show no, about that. No, no, no. Tell us about that. What kind of sprouts? All sorts. I like bean sprouts. Uh, wheatgrass sprouts, uh, alfalfa sprouts. You can get an assortment. There's a number of vendors, for example, on my uh, at my blog site, several of my advertisers sell sprouting kits. And they don't need to be really, you don't need a really sophisticated sprouter. All you need is a, a screen lid for a mason jar and away you go. And you can even make your own. So I do recommend sprouting. I think that it gives you the, the most bang for your buck. It's incredibly nutritious. And as a, as a fringe benefit, they're also very compact. So if you're in a bug out situation, you can have the equivalent of 200 heads of lettuce sitting there in a, just one handful of sprout seeds. How likely do you think the, the need for all of this stuff is? I, I'm sure you're going to say very likely, but... I guess maybe, Jim, my major question is, what do you think the biggest likelihood of a problem is? Because that, that determines to some extent how we, how we react and prepare, you know? I would say right now the biggest threat is economic. Uh, we're right on the cusp of another global credit crisis, and that could very well morph into a dollar crisis. We're, we're just on the precipice. We have a government that has spending completely out of control. Oh, obviously, yeah. And the only reason that they're able to maintain their their current level of debt is because they've also instituted ZERP, which is the zero interest rate policy. If interest rates were ever to spike 2 or 3%, our, our government would be unable to service its debt, period. Well, it can just print more fake We're money. We're that close to, <laughs> to uh, economic collapse. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but the government can just print more money. <laughs> well, that's the, the other problem. That's the, the other, their escape uh, hatch for that would be hyperinflation. Uh, right now, they're creating, what is it, uh, $92 billion a month via quantitative easing. Who's to say it couldn't be $900 billion a month? And if our foreign creditors ever 
stopped rolling over their treasury paper or if they started demanding 10 or 15 percent interest on their treasury paper, the party is going to be over. You know, mathematically, I mean, we talk about this stuff every single day on the various shows that I publish. And mathematically, Jim, you are absolutely right. I mean, this is nonsensical what is going on. $17 trillion in debt, somewhere between 60 and $200 trillion in unfunded entitlement obligations over the next two decades. It's complete absurdity. However, the U.S. has the largest military, and it has so many advantages. I mean... People around the world still want to come here. You know, we've still got, as silly as it is and as bad as our education system has become, you know, we've still got a lot of innovation taking place here. You know, there's, there's, there's new stuff every day coming out of the tech world that's fascinating. We've, we've got the reserve currency for as long as we can keep it, and we can use our military. Well, the, what I was saying about the military, my point was we can use our military to bully people around to make sure we keep it. I mean, we've got this completely overextended empire. I'm the first to agree with that. However, we can't have hyperinflation until our our foreign creditors say, screw you, we're not buying your debt anymore unless you pay us an extremely high interest rate. But I don't know that they get to do that ever. They can kick this can down the road a long time, I think. Well, conceivably. And there's one other possibility, Jason, and that is there could be an economic crisis in Europe a year or two in advance of where uh, we might have ours. And if that happens, the United States might actually be seen as a relative safe haven. And a lot of European capital could flow into the United States. That, uh, you talk about kicking the can down the road, that, that could go on for uh, several years conceivably. But I do think uh, that there is going to be a financial reckoning day sometime uh, between now and 2020. And what's that going to look be ready like? For that. Yeah, what's that going to look like? When it does happen, uh, it's going to be pretty ugly because anyone on a fixed income is going to be wiped out by mass inflation. The infl- uh, interest rates are going to skyrocket. The unemployment rate is going to skyrocket. Simultaneously, the stock markets will crash. It's going to be a very ugly situation. It, we may will probably be whipsawed whipsawed initially with deflation and then mass inflation in rapid succession. And that's something that very few people are going to be able to get through unscathed. That's why I recommend hedging into tangibles as much as possible. And the tangibles I like are not so much precious metals as productive farmland, guns, ammunition, common caliber ammunition, uh, high capacity magazines for, for firearms, tools, and reference books. That's, that's where I put my money, and I think that it's, it's wise to do so. Of course, once some beans, bullets, and band-aids squared away, then yes, it might be a good time to buy some silver as well. I'm a, I'm a big believer in tangible silver in your personal possession. Not in a safe deposit box, not in some ETF. It's got to be physical silver that you have in your hand that you can barter with. Hey, you know what economic pr- crisis I'm predicting besides uh, inflation, and that is that the the COMEX and these ETFs these are built on these are just built on BS. I don't think there's enough metal there behind them. I I, I think this no, is a Ponzi isn't. scheme. No, it's, it's, a Ponzi. it's yeah, it's yes. a Ponzi. And when that when that Ponzi is is exposed and people lose faith in those markets, wow, there's going to be hell to pay. 
that's going to be that's going to be really ugly. Yeah, the the other situation that's not very well understood by most people is the forward leasing of precious metals, particularly gold. And Tell platinum. us about that. There's a tremendous amount of for, forward leasing that's going on uh, by both governments and private institutions, and that's essentially all synthetic or paper gold. That may all go poof someday. Wow. How did we ever get ourselves into this mess, Jim? I mean, isn't this crazy? We we live in, in this word, economy built on smoke and mirrors. It's just this house of cards. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. We, we have a mountain of debt that's been accumulated over generations. And unfortunately, we've had a political class that is only concerned with the next election. And they... Have for they've been uh, very opportunistic in recognizing that as long as things hold together while they're in office and they can pass along problems to the next generation, they can make themselves smell like a rose. And that's been going on basically since the FDR administration. So at some point, though, the debts are going to become so huge and the value of the dollar is is going to be so well eradicated that we're going to see a complete toppling of all the major institutions of our country politically, economically, socially, you name it. It's it's going to be a tremendous reckoning day and I certainly wouldn't want to be living in a big city when it happens. Yep, it's hard for me to disagree with that. It's hard for me to disagree with that. The problem is the cities are such attractive places, obviously, in so many ways, with the ability to walk to things and, you know, entertainment, cultural activities. I, it's just amazing to me to picture this kind of an America, that uh, all of us have this picture in our mind of what we expect from our society. And I, I really wonder if it can be reversed so quickly, if if people will will tolerate it, you know, if everything will just collapse that way. Well, I think we're more likely to see a slow slide. And I think in 10 or 15 years, we won't just have one Detroit, we'll probably have 20 or 30 of them. All the major cities will resemble Detroit. That's my personal prediction. But regardless, I do feel much more comfortable in the country. Yes, it's inconvenient having to drive over an hour to the nearest Walmart, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Uh, we live surrounded by national forest. We've got a nice river running through the back end of our property. We have hot and cold running elk, although recently we've also had hot and cold running mountain lions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for those. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to be careful of that. But uh, I think the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages. We really enjoy homeschooling our kids. We enjoy the fresh air, the pure water. There's no crime, no smog, no traffic. The stress level is very low, and we have neighbors that we know we can trust. Well, that that is good to hear. That is good to hear. Any other things uh, you want to cover before you go? You know, any other topics, ideas, advice? Well, I would like to make one recommendation, and that is for even for your listeners who have no interest in reading novels, please take full advantage of my website. It's Survival Blog. It's been published almost daily for the last eight years. If you were to print out everything at the Survival Blog site, it would be over 9,000 pages. Uh, we have incredibly deep and rich archives. They're all available free, and they're fully searchable. I highly recommend that your listeners take full advantage of that resource. And for any particularly 
important articles that deal with survival, I would recommend that pr people do print out some hard copies and make themselves a reference binder. The, the hard copy idea is a good one, definitely, and you've got tons of resources here. So let me just give out that domain name again because uh, it got cut off a little bit with the connection. It's survivalblog.com, survivalblog.com. And an interesting thing you do is you put your IP address right on your website so people can, can jot it down in case that domain name ever goes away for whatever reason, whether by government or uh, some hacker attack, right? That's right. Yeah, very interesting idea. Well, over 300,000 visitors per month. Uh, and oh, um, per week. Oh, per, oh, per week. Thank you. <laughs> I stand corrected. Per week. And you just got some fantastic resources here. So great to have you back on again. And we welcome you back anytime. And folks, get a copy of Jim's novels. They're very interesting and, and very thorough and, and very true to life. James Wesley Rolls, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me on, Jason. God bless you and your listeners. What's great about the shows you'll find on jasonhartman.com is that if you want to learn how to finance your next big real estate deal, there's a show for that. If you want to learn more about food storage and the best way to keep those onions from smelling up everything else, there's a show for that. If you honestly want to know more about business ethics, there's a show for that. And if you just want to get away from it all and need to know something about world travel, there's even a show for that. Yep, there's a show for just about anything. Only from jasonhartman.com or type in Jason Hartman in the iTunes store. Thank you for joining us today for the Holistic Survival Show, protecting the people, places, and profits you care about in uncertain times. Be sure to listen to our Creating Wealth Show, which focuses on exploiting the financial and wealth creation opportunities in today's economy. Learn more at www.jasonhartman.com or search Jason Hartman on iTunes. This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company, offering very general guidelines and information. Opinions of guests are their own, and none of the content should be considered individual advice. If you require personalized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. Information deemed reliable, but not guaranteed.